up until now, if there is that impulse inside of you to write a book, there's a really good reason for it. And I suggest you follow it. Just take the next baby step. You don't have to think about writing the whole book, what your publishing plan is going to be, all of these things. You can literally just purchase Scrivener. And I don't even get a kickback for that. Purchase Scrivener or watch a video or get your outline underway. Just take that one first step. That's showing you that you're going to, you're meeting life where, you know, halfway. And then I've always found that life will double up the next time and get you to the next level. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 578. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and today I am thrilled to introduce you to our guest, Kelly Notaris. Oh my gosh, I just asked you how to properly you pronounce it. You got it right. You got okay. it right. No problem. When I said it, Kelly, I have to tell you, the first thing I thought of was Atari. I can't tell you why, except for my husband's a video game designer. And I was like, that can't be right. That's so funny. But listeners- I usually get notorious or, you know, something. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of different funny ways people pronounce it, but you got it just right. Well done. Well, people get Sutton wrong. What? Yeah, people- and I won't put any stereotypes on here, but they're generally not from America. That's all I'll Mm -hmm. say about that. And they'll ask for- Kimberly Sutton or that is very elegant. Yes, it is. Actually. Or Sultan. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah I'll hey, take that, that one too. Can I have I the magic that goes along with it? Exactly. That's yeah. great. But listeners, Kelly is the CEO and founder of KN Literary Arts. And we have already been chatting about my chronic idea disorder and how that book has been stuck in my head. For those of you who have been with with me since the beginning, you know that I've been talking about it for close to three years now. So I'm so excited to dive in and learn more about what Kelly does. But Kelly, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm super happy to be here. How did you get started on this journey? And well, actually, I told you I jumble like 18 questions altogether. No problem. Bring I would love to know first, what was your childhood dream? Like, what did you think you wanted Mm. to be? You know, the truth is, yeah, I wanted to be an actress when I was little, Mm. for sure. An actress slash singer slash, you know, Madonna, somewhere in the range of being both. And I was always in performing arts growing up, but I was also always loving reading and loving my English classes. I did great in English and ended up, funny enough, testing out of it so I didn't have to take it in college, but then really missing it. And my friends were all taking English and reading books. And I remember saying, I'm going to take it as a, you know, so actually I ended up dropping out of another class and I needed to take something. I thought, you know what, I'm going to take a really great English class of some sort as an elective. And that just rolled me right into a uh, wonderful literature and communication minor that went with my law major in college. And really how I got into the business was that after college, as any liberal arts student knows, I had no idea what my skill set was good for, except for being a lawyer. And I was pretty sure that I wasn't going to be happy as a lawyer. So I went to a communications professor of mine and asked sort of, what do you think I should do? And he said, you are a great writer, one of the best that I've ever seen, even with my grad students. I think you should be writing books. But of course, at 23, I had no idea what kind of books I would be writing, what stories I might be telling. You know, I I think at the time I heard that and thought I'll be a novelist. 
That is definitely not my strength, as it turns out. But I decided to go and get a job in the book publishing business right out of school to see what it took to become a published author. That was really my goal. I wanted to know the inside scoop. I wanted to be able to beat the game because I knew that people were always trying to get their books published and having a hard time. And so I thought if I learned how it was done and made connections, then I would be set up for the time when I wanted to actually publish my own book, which I just did 20 years later. My very first book, The Book You Were Born to Write, came out in November. And and that is exactly how it came out. It was through my connections in the book business and my friends who I'd made over many years of being in that business that that book got published. So um, it all came to fruition. And the book itself is actually the cheater's guide so that other people don't have to do what I did, which is basically get a career in the book publishing business in order to know how to get their book published when the time came. It's actually all right there in the book now. Oh, I was about to say, thank you. I feel suddenly not so bad about three years under my belt. Yes, exactly. Right. I just spent 20 years. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So are people already asking you when's book number two coming out? They are. They actually are, which is great. I actually have a really great, wonderful relationship with the man who runs Hay House, the publisher that I used for my book. Um, and I asked him sort of, when's it time for me to write a book yet? And he's like, I'll tell you when it's time for you to write a book. I was like, yes, sir. So for right now, he's having me, and I think this is really important and, and makes a lot of sense, really focus on growing my audience and using this book as part of that you know, growth plan. And you know, it's what has me get podcast. It's what has me be writing a blog and starting a YouTube channel and all these things. I'm working to get people to know about my book. And of course, you know, for those of the listeners who are also entrepreneurs, having that book in the world has done an amazing thing for my business. So I have an editorial studio where we help people write and edit their books. And we have tripled the number of sales calls that we've done since the book came out in November. And that is the one of the really, really good reasons why any entrepreneur should consider writing a book, because it does get the word out beyond who are the people that already know you. And also it establishes your expertise. You know, you can be, you're very clearly an expert, most people before they write their book, but the book, somehow people look at that and say, and as you've talked about, you know, it's it's really hard to write a full-length book. It is not an easy endeavor. And if you've done it, then it kind of makes you look like a superhero to most people. And they they believe that you're even more of an expert than someone who hasn't written a book. So that is a really good reason why someone like you and many of your listeners, I'm sure, are in the process of writing one because you know that it gives you a certain credibility you don't get otherwise. If I can be totally transparent, which Always. I'm going to give myself <laughs> the right to right here. If I could, you know, put a laptop desk into the bathroom. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I know that's gross, but that's about the only alone time that I get when right. I'm not working with clients. Yeah. Right. And I've tried to figure out, okay, how can I take a bubble bath with right. my laptop? <laughs> I mean, I know I could Siri it, but Siri and I, oh, I should not, not say that too loud because then she'll, <laughs> yeah, exactly. she'll decide that she needs to be part of this conversation. Yes, exactly. You know, we don't always get along and the gibberish, which comes out of her fingers and not mine is laughable sometimes. Right. right. Yep. I totally hear that. And, you know, actually I am not someone who uses Siri for writing my books and a lot of people I know do. So it really is about finding the methodology that's best for you. But of course, so this is an interesting thing, Kim, if you'll let me be honest, I oftentimes tell people that time is not actually the problem that we convince ourselves it is. That oftentimes when we are trying to write a book and it's not happening and we think it's because we don't have the time or we're not able to do it, 
you know, not always, but most of the time, there's actually something else going on. There's really one of two things going on. One is that you are not yet at a place where life is ready for you to have a book for some reason or another. So for me, I was trying to write a book for 20 years, all different types. I told you I'm not very good at writing fiction. I tried my hand at fiction, short stories, poetry. Then I was going to write a how-to book about meditation. I was going to write a how-to book about, you know, how to be on a spiritual journey and, you know, all the different things that I've experienced over the course of my life. And the truth is that it was not until I was sitting at a writer's workshop and saw the number of people sitting there who needed the information I had that I felt the genuine motivation that was actually outside of, that had a bigger purpose than what I had even thought my purpose for writing a book was. And then life said, now you'll write it. And it was actually extremely easy to write it. And I found the time, even though I had a very busy life and had been going through a really difficult time uh, period in my life at that time, I found the time. And it wasn't that I hadn't been there before. It's just that the the noise was actually not loud enough for me to say, okay, I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do this, which included, I'm not going to exercise. I'm not going to meditate, which I did every morning. I'm going to put those things that are very, very important on hold while I write this book for that, you know, four to five months that it took me to really get the book down on the paper. And then I was able to reintegrate those things back into my life. But when the time is right and life wants the thing from you, time will find, you will find a way and you'll be motivated enough to let go of those things that are not, that look too important right now to let go of. So that's one, one reason why you might not be writing. The second reason is, and this is a really, really important reason that is, I have great reverence for, is that there is some way in which writing a book is in opposition to the strategies that we put in place as children to stay safe, to maintain our, the love of our parents and our families, to belong with our you know, group, our pack, so to speak, and to stay safe. And this is a place that requires a deep dive around our old patterns. And it's something that not everyone is ready for, you know, they're not, and not everyone is at a time in their life where they are ready to sort of go deep into how did I stay safe and how did I belong and how did I learn to be loved as a child that might be in opposition, like staying invisible, not ever doing anything that dad wanted to do that he didn't actually do, not being better than my sister, whatever the thing might be, there is a, definitely a deep dive that's required there to know what the resistance might be. And it's really important to uh, stay in rapport with the version of yourself that actually made those choices because they made them for a really good reason. So I have a whole chapter in the book on this particular piece on working with resistance. Um, so sometimes it's just that we really don't have the time. There's, there's things going on in our life that are actually more important than, we're, than us writing the book. But more often than not, there's a resistance that's standing in the way. See, the crazy thing for me is and maybe maybe this is another topic of your book, but this might surprise some listeners. I'm rebellious. You tell me that <laughs> I need to do something and I will do anything to not do it. Mm-hmm. So I've had yes. t- people tell me, listeners and, and Kelly, please forgive kids in the background. They're so oh. excited because our groceries just got delivered. Nice. Um, yes. Exciting. And, Very and, exciting. And there's dessert in there and they're like, oh, yeah. yes. Got um, it. But I've been told you need to write an outline. And mm-hmm. I just think back to no high, joke, school Eng- high school English. Yes, I know. And I did yep. not like high school English. Let me tell you, I signed up. I gave up my lunch so I could take art and yes. not have an outline. You know? Right. Yes. So being told that I need to write an outline is like, ugh. 
Yes, I, you, you are. You are not the only one. I often say that I get the most eye rolls of anyone that I talk to when I bring up the topic of writing an outline. The thing of it is that there are a lot of things that can be written without an outline. A blog can be written without an outline. A poem can be written without an outline. Even a children's book can be written without an outline. But the problem with trying to write a full-length book without an outline is that it's just too big for the human brain to hold it all. So when you sit down to write, you think I'm writing my book now. You don't think I'm writing chapter six, subheading three, which only needs to be three paragraphs long. That is a chunk size that your brain can actually manage Mm -hmm. and it can feel like a tiny little homework assignment, almost like a little mini blog, right? Wow. That's very different than I have to write my whole book. Your brain is going to go like into crazy, like firing in panic because it can't actually hold the whole vision of your book, which is why an outline is, in my view, I've never met anyone except for one person who is the illustrious Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer, who had the number one best-selling book of all of the 70s and an, at least one bestseller in every decade between then and the time that he passed away three years ago, I think now. He used to write without an outline, but he was one of those people who had the whole thing just literally wired in from the beyond (laughs) in a way I've never really, I've never encountered any of my own authors to have that same line. Everyone else that I've ever worked with who's successfully completed a book has started with an outline. Now here's, can I, can I ask you one other question? Yes. Yes. The other challenge, and this is external, but I allowed it to go internal was Mm -hmm. that somebody told me it's not time to write my book yet because I've not yet figured out how to fully conquer chronic idea disorder. Oh, and I have to say, I will never figure out how to, you know, fully conquer chronic idea disorder. I know how to handle it on a day to day basis. It's like, Sometimes unhealthy, but a lot of time healthy addiction. Like I just have ideas. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I had to get out of bed at one thirty this morning, two thirty maybe. I don't know, late. Mm-hmm. You know, before the birds started making their chirping. noise outside. Yes, yeah. thank you. I like that sound or that word a lot better. Chirping. Yeah, chirping. But because I had a blog article on my head. Yes. Or on my mind, and I just yeah. had to do it. And. That's how it's always going to be. I have to get it out. And that's part of chronic idea disorder, though. Do you really? Can you just, ooh, I'm getting all types of content right now. But how do you feel about that, though? Somebody who says, you're not ready to write the book yet because you haven't figured it out yourself. You know, by figured it out, it sounds like what they were saying was that you aren't perfect yet. (laughs) Right? Oh, I am imperfectly perfect or perfectly imperfect, however you want to look at it. And I am quite proud of that. Exactly. So this is the thing is that anyone who would say that is somebody who is probably in their own life struggling with perfectionism, because none of us ever does it perfectly. And any I mean, the truth is that we teach what we need to learn, full stop. So the fact is, I am supposed to be writing books. There's no question about that. I've known that since I was in college. And I have since I was in college being an editor at you know, some of the biggest houses in the U.S. I was learning how to write books by editing them. And I now know roughly how to, to write books. But I, by teaching people how to do it, I am learning the inner workings of it. I just the other day had to do a bunch of research on writing memoir because so many of my clients want to write memoir. I've been a memoir editor for 20 years. I've edited dozens of memoirs. But when it comes to writing them, it's different. How do you explain in words how to write a memoir? Well, guess what is the next book I need to write? A memoir. A memoir. 
Of course. And so I need to learn. And in the process, I, so what am I doing? I'm doing research that I'm making YouTube videos about how to write memoir, how to write, like I just, about three weeks, there's going to be one going up. That's the two things, every one of the biggest best-selling memoirs has in common. And I had to do the research on that. I had to actually go in and, and think about how I'm going to talk about it. And it's really all in service of me writing a memoir that people are going to want to read at some point. So I'm here to tell you that writing the book is part of the process. It's part of developing the thing that you are meant to offer to the world. You do not have to wait until the thing is concrete, but you do have to write write an outline. If I'm going to tell you anything you have to do, you have to write an outline. Now, here's something that I found interesting in your story about getting up in the middle of the night. Writing blogs is an excellent, excellent way to be writing your book before you're actually writing your book. So when I sat down to actually put my book into form, the very first thing I did was I went into my blogs and I pulled out the content of all those blogs that I felt like was a good fit for the book. And then I used this program, which I cannot speak more highly of. It's called Scrivener. Have you been using Scrivener by chance in no, writing? No, but I've heard of it. I just don't even remember yeah. what it is. Can okay. So what Scrivener is, is a piece of writing software that is specifically focused on writing long form content. Mm. So it's meant to write things longer than one, you know, than a blog, for example. Most people are writing either in Google Docs or in Microsoft Word. Microsoft Word is definitely the standard in the industry in terms of when you start working with an editor on your actual finished manuscript and when you start submitting it to agents and editors, et cetera. But before then, you can write it however you like. The thing that I love about Scrivener is that you never have to go looking for where you need to start today. You build out your outline in this, what I'm just going to call for, for, there's a lot of jargon that goes with it that you don't need to know. There's a left-hand column on your page and your outline is there. And each of the different chapters and then subheadings in the chapter that you have crafted in your outline is a live link that you click through and the document that it contains that particular section pops up in front of you. So you can work on one section in chapter two and then immediately jump to a section in chapter six without having to scroll down through that document that you've been writing in, in Word, or go back to some file and find the document that's for chapter eight and then scroll through that. You can just look on the left, find chapter eight, find the third subheading, which is what you want to look at or work on and click it and it opens right away. Then if you want to move that section from chapter eight back to chapter two, say, all you have to do is drag it and drop it from that left-hand column. Oh my gosh. That's like, that's like (laughs) book writing for people with chronic idea disorder right there. Exactly. It's so wonderful. It's called Scrivener. There is no set path for me because I'm I'm jumping all over and I'll have an idea for chapter eight subheading three today, but I might go back to chapter one tomorrow. Exactly. Yes. And that is what this is so good for because it, every writer who's writing a long form piece, whether it's a book or a screenplay or a play, they do that. They do what you're doing. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that we haven't had a piece of software that was built by authors before Scrivener that allows you to do that with ease. That's why it's built that way, because that is the way that that authors, and by authors, I also mean screenwriters and playwrights, et cetera, people who are writing long format pieces, that's the way we operate. We need to be able to, we're like, wow, did I cover this already in chapter two? I'm I'm working on chapter four and it's a similar topic. I can go back and look really, really easily without having to scroll at all. And then something that used to happen to me when I was ghostwriting for people, oh my gosh, before I knew about Scrivener, I would cut and paste a section 
thinking I was going to take it from chapter two to chapter eight, I go look for the chapter eight document. As I'm scrolling through, I find something that I'm like, oh, that sentence isn't right. I'm going to cut and paste that. And then I would lose the chunk that I had just cut and pasted. Oh meaning, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, that is just, that is an, another one of the reasons why I say Scrivener is the way to write your book, because there's almost no chance of content loss in that way. There's no cutting and pasting required, except to get things into the document. So back to the question of blogs, I had built out my outline in Scrivener, and then I went back to my website, just straight to my website, cut and paste the blog content. So let's say I you know, had a blog about ghostwriting. So I cut and paste the section about ghostwriting, cut it, or not cut it, but, you know, copied it, and then went to Scrivener, found the section in my outline where I want to talk about ghostwriting, click the button, you know, click the little thing that says ghostwriting, it pops open a brand new document, I drop in that content, go back to my blog, find another piece that I want to move in. So in that way, writing your blogs is actually preparing you to write your book. I did not ever, not one time, did I leave that content as it was from the blog in my book. I always rewrote it, whether it was just rewriting transitions so that it fit into the flow of the chapter or rewriting it entirely. But what's so great about doing that is that you have starter material. When you get to that section, and I like to think of each one of those little subheadings as a mini homework assignment. So, cause I'm somebody who liked homework in high school, dork. And I like knowing like, oh, today I'm going to write the ghostwriting section. And I know it doesn't need to be long. It only needs to be, you know, in the printed book, maybe one and a half pages. So it's a, it's a doable amount to write today. And not only that, but when I open the document, oh, there's all this content that I've already written. I've spent the time to write it sometime three years ago. I might as well use that time now. And I have starter content. How much of this is going to work? Oh, well, this works. I really like my bulleted list here. I'm going to keep that. I'm going to do. And you, so you have something to start with. It just makes life so much easier. So I want to say to you, Kim, that you have probably a ton of content you may not even realize you have toward your book. And writing that outline is the way that you will be able to see what of your blogs is actually already ready to just drop into your quote book. Well, I'm now thinking I'm also a journaler. Yes. So I have, I have about eight journals on my shelf. Nice. And there's content in there that, yeah, I probably yeah. have, I mean, the book has got to be across three different Google Docs because I forgot that I started it once and then started again. And I think I even have pages in Word Docs yeah. as well with where I started, but then I would get tired of it. Oh, I'm yes. over here though laughing because, and I've shared this a couple times on podcasts recently, but my sister is now part of my team and she's very instrumental. And she's the one who, and I told you this, Kelly, before we got on, I was like, Kim, you need to talk to Kelly. You need to talk to her and be ready. But she's also monitoring purchases mm. <laughs> that I make because we're just, we're bootstrapping. So yeah. she's watching everything. But if Scrivener's not free, then it's she's $45. Gonna oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> I am 100% serious. Scrivener's $45. I don't know who. There's a, it's, it's a British uh, man who invented it as far as I know. I don't know where, but he's, that man is getting his wings in heaven. That is all I have to say. He is getting yeah. his $45 for the download lifetime, lifetime purchase. Oh my gosh. I am yes. going like, yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually looking at my, well, not literally, but I'm hoping I don't have a call when we wrap. Because exactly. The website where you can find it is called literature and latte. 
funny, oh, that's funny a great title. title. Is it a great title? But this, you know, you can also just Google Scrivener and you will find it. You all, you can also find, so this is another thing I'll say. It has a lot of functionality and a lot of its functionality is specific to fiction or screenwriting, et cetera. So what I would suggest is just go to YouTube and look up the literature and latte videos there's tons of people that have done videos on Scrivener and they are better and worse. And I say, just skip all of the people that are not actually literature and latte. They've done a huge series of videos. Find the one that's just introduction to Scrivener. It's a 10 minute video. That video will tell you everything you need if you're writing nonfiction. Every single thing you'll, you need is in that video. Oh my goodness. Yes. Okay. So don't get overwhelmed when you open it. People do. They're like, oh my gosh, I don't know where to start. Just go to that video, the literature and latte YouTube channel. Find the Scrivener, the like very beginner, Scrivener for beginners or whatever it might be, you know, getting started with Scrivener, 10 minute video, watch the video, you'll have everything you need. Okay. Can I ask you a couple other questions? I'm please, so excited please, about please. that. Please, Yes, yes. Okay. So people who have met me in person tend to realize that I am a bit more reserved in person than I am on a yes. call or when you get to know me. Yep. So like I have a dry sense of humor and I can be quite witty and like a lot of people don't even realize I have tattoos. Nice. You know, uh-huh. it's just those little surprising little quirks right, that people just right, don't right. realize. Kelly, yeah. I have a tattoo of a cow jumping over my moon. I don't think I've ever admitted that on the <laughs> podcast before. I was supposed That's to be at church with my hilarious. mom on my 18th birthday, and instead I was at the tattoo parlor getting that. That so, is hilarious. Yeah. Nice. So I think another part of my reservation is wanting to please everyone. But, you know, mm. we've all heard it before. If you try to please everyone, you're going to please no one. So I don't want to be afraid to show my true colors in my book. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So this is one thing I just actually did a video on this uh, for Mother's Day, because so often I hear from our authors that they are, they're like, well, I know I need to write my story, but my mom is still alive, you know, and what do I do? And what I say is you need to write it first, just write it you can decide what parts of it you're going to censor later. So just write the book right now as per your own desire. If you could write it however you want it, if you could say everything, if you could put in every story, if you didn't have to worry about anyone's feelings, if you didn't have to worry about your listeners, some of, half of them getting annoyed and half of them loving you, then what would you write? Write that book. And then you have plenty of time and you ought to... <laughs> say this very strongly, ought to work with a content editor before you ever let this book see the light of day to make sure from the perspective of someone who works with books for a living that the book is working and you can bring to them, here are my reservations, here's my hesitation. And you let them with their clear eyes that are not as close to the book as you are, read it through and give you their best advice. If there's something that you're worried, you might actually get sued for saying you need to talk to a publishing lawyer. But if it's not about that, if it's more about just like mom being upset with you, have an editor give you their advice. And then together you can decide what you're going to keep and what you're going to let go of. So write the book now, edit it later. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm that book that talks about my mom or my ex-husband will come further down the road. Right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, totally not worried about that. It was actually just my off-color sense of humor. You know, right. do I hold it back or do I let it shine? And you know, I think I, I'm going to let it shine and let, let, let a content shine. editor see it. Yes, that's it. Let it shine. Let someone else tell you whether it's working or not. <laughs> yeah. So then my next question, because I know a lot of listeners may be curious about this. I'm not so curious. I've been building my platform for 
yeah. um, four years now. So it's healthy. It's um, yep. like 60,000 plus. Beautiful. But, but for people who do not have a platform, yes. should they worry about the platform before they write the book or does it not matter? Well, so here's the thing. It really depends on where you are on your journey of becoming a thought leader. So I think of it as bigger than an author. If you are writing a book and you think it's it's just because you need to get something onto the page, out of your body, you've known you had the story to tell for a really long time, but you're not somebody who's interested in building a business around it, then I say you're kind of at what I call stage one, which is you're writing the book for your heart or your art. And that is totally valid and in fact required. And in fact, I think for all the other stages on the journey, you need to be rooted in that desire, but you don't need a platform at all. You just, you're going to be self-publishing it. You're just, or you're maybe not even publishing it. Maybe you're just putting it in a drawer. We don't know yet, but you're writing for your heart or your art. Don't worry at all about a platform. Then there's kind of a big leap to stages two, three, and four. And these all are stages where you are planning to become a thought leader. That is what you would like. That is where you're headed. You're building a business and you want to have a book as part of that process. So in any of those stages, you do need to have your eye on the platform. Stage two is what I call creating a thing out of your work. So you are somebody who perhaps you're a therapist, you're a healer, you're somebody who works with entrepreneurs online, whatever it might be. You don't yet know what your thing is. You're not sure what your book is about. So you, Kim, you know what your book is about. So that's great. You already know your title and all these things. But a lot of people come to me and they're like, I know I should be writing a book, but I don't know what it's about. That's stage two. At that point, you're still in self-publishing territory. But it makes sense to write the book because the book helps you build your platform. It gives you the credibility, the expertise. It gives you a good excuse to contact podcasters. It's just a great way to have something that's low price point to sell. So it's good for your funnel. It's a great thing to do. You're going to be self-publishing. The book needs to be good. So just to be clear, you need to work with an editor, okay? At stage one, you don't. But every other stage, you need to work with people who understand how to put a book together. It's a really different thing than writing a blog. Okay, stage three is where you already have a well-established thing and you're wanting to get further adoption of that thing. At that point, you already have a platform underway. You've been teaching this thing, whatever it might be for years. It's like you, you're on your podcast, you're talking about it all the time. People know it. They've been asking for the book. They're waiting for it. They're ready. At this point, depending on how much of a platform you've already built, you may still want to self-publish because publishers are looking for a big platform, or you may want to start looking for a, a publisher. Generally, I would say that if you haven't yet felt like your platform is really raging and you're making you know, millions of dollars a year with your platform already, you're probably still in the territory of the smaller publishers, the ones who have a more specific list. There are people who are looking for books that are specifically about productivity or they're looking for books that are specifically about spirituality or specifically about self-help. And in that way, you become a bigger fish in a smaller pond. And so they don't need the like ginormous platform that they're going to be looking for with the big houses. So you're looking for what I call independent smaller publishers. On our website, knliterary.com, we actually have a, a free download that's 25 publishers that accept unsolicited, meaning unagented submissions directly from authors that would be good for somebody who is at this sort of stage three level. Then if you want to be published by one of the big five publishers, these are folks who absolutely must have a platform. You must have an agent. They're not going to accept su submissions directly from authors. This is a place where I say you're taking your already well-established thing and you're making yourself a household name. That's sort of that level. That's what happens. That's the, the way in the door at one of those big publishing companies. So 
do you need a platform? The answer is no, if you don't necessarily need to sell a lot of books. And no, if you have an eye to building your platform and you want to use your book to do it, that's great, but you're going to be self-publishing. And yes, as you have your eye on being published traditionally by houses, your platform has to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm blown away. Now I'm wondering, like, <laughs> no, I'm not making millions of dollars, mm-hmm. but I, I want to take this to a much bigger scale because Kelly, I was, I was suicidal in 2016 because I was letting chronic idea disorder take me away. Mm. And I was doing, I was chasing everybody else's goals and dreams and doing everything yeah. that the big guru said to do. Right. You know? And I know that there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there who fall into the same trap. Mm. They're sacrificing sleep and then they go down yes. that, that horrible road of anxiety and depression. And then yes. it's, for some, it's just unrecoverable. And that's why I am personally passionate about taking it to the next level. But right. aside from that, I mean, my whole business is around business and marketing automation. Right. So, yes. Which is very systemized compared to chronic idea disorder. I mean, I can, right. <laughs> I can build the funnel, no problem. And then yes. I think that's the last challenge that I've had is, oh my gosh, am I really going to have time to launch this book? And yes, I will have time. You already covered that. I will have time if I make the time. Yes, exactly. But yeah. then, you know, it, it's just been there. Or the, yes. I look at books well, I'm just going to take a name that you and I talked about in the pre-chat. Sure. I mean, I read yes. I read Worthy by Nancy Levin last year, and yes. I see all of these fabulous, you know, recommendations for the book in the intro, or right. I don't even know what the proper section is called. Yes, like, the endorsements. I want those, you know, yes. I want those, but I realize that you don't necessarily get those so, when you've never written before. Well, so here's the thing. Nancy started her career as the event director at Hay House. At Hay House, yeah, I love that story. So, right, so it's amazing. So those people are her friends. And that is how you get endorsements on your books. Every endorsement on my book is from a friend, every single one of them. So the thing is that there is a, and endorsements are something I have a whole video on this too, because people get so overly focused on endorsements. Endorsements do not sell books. They preach to the choir. People who already love you are like, well, of course, so-and-so has been given you an endorsement because I'm, I'm super excited about this. They might tip the scale for like a tiny percentage of people who are already pretty inclined to buy your book. And then they see that and they're like, well, one of my favorite authors was, you know, gave them an endorsement. So of course I'm going to buy it, but they really don't sell books because by the time someone is on your Amazon page, reading your endorsements, they're pretty bought in with you. So don't worry about those. But I will say it's interesting that right here is one of those places where I, my little, you know, spidey sense went up. So you said, well, I mean, 60,000 names, I just want to say that is freaking no joke. That's amazing. It is possible you could find a traditional publisher who would want to take you on. That is very possible. I can make no guarantees. There's so many different factors that Mm -hmm. factor in there. But the first thing you would need to do is find an agent for yourself, which you may very well be able to do at 60,000 names on your email list. Very important. I already have two who are bugging me for the proposal. There you go. Beautiful. (laughs) They're the only two that I reached out to and they were both like, yeah, how fast can you get us a proposal? But that was like like a year ago. And I'm like, oh, you know, so I'm not worried about getting an agent. Here's my question is whether or not, so you have a passion for getting this message out in a really big way. Mm -hmm. And my question is where you are right now, it's very possible you could find a publisher, but it may not be the biggest publisher out there, the dream publisher that you have. Okay. 
you might, and again, everything is so dependent on what the market is like that that year, that month, that week. Do you land on an editor's desk who hasn't made it? hasn't purchased anything in a while, hasn't acquired a book in a while, they're going to be a little bit more lenient? Or are you landing on all these desks of people who've already just bought all these books and they need this, the next book they buy has to be like a really, you know, extraordinary in terms of its platform already being there. So it's all really like, there's no guarantees. And if any agent ever makes you a guarantee, walk away because they don't know. However, there is definitely a possibility that you could do that. But if you were to wait, let's say another year, you would, you'll probably be at a hundred thousand names. It's a different level than 60,000, right? And in that year, you might learn some things that you didn't know before. And so what I'm saying is you can trust life and you are part of life and your focus right now is part of life. So I have a really hard time being able to support my authors beating themselves up over not writing their book yet. I'm saying it may be that your book needs to land on the, exactly this one editor's desk, but that editor's not going to be ready for it until 18 months from now. How about just trust the process and feel into, wow, I didn't know about Scrivener until today. Maybe yeah. I needed to learn about Scrivener today. Yeah. And just let go of the shame. There's no shame in being where you are. You are being, you are a badass lady. 60,000 names is not easy to come by. You're doing great you are doing amazingly. You're putting your attention where it needs to be right now. And yes, you've got a book that you are going to write. I have no doubt that you're going to write this book. And I also have no doubt that it's going to be written and be published at exactly the right time in exactly the right place in exactly the right manner. I just trust it completely. So, Oh, I so appreciate you saying that because actually when I came out of that depression, Mm. one of the first uh, well, I told a friend even that I was in the depression before I told my husband, who is my best friend, yeah. but I didn't want to scare him. Right. So I told a friend first, and she introduced me, not personally, but to the work of Danielle Laporte, mm, who yes. talks a lot about that. You know, we yes. have to, let's just follow our heart for a change instead of yeah. following the calendar. And you're totally right. And now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, the list already knows. I don't think I've even talked about it on the podcast yet. I mean, my team is working on two courses and right. we've got affiliates waiting for mm. those courses. Yep. So you are so dead on. I mean, 18 months, these programs will launch three times in the next 18 months. Yes. And that, I mean, with a great affiliate base, that's going to add, hopefully, yes. you know, tens of thousands of people to yes. the, just the email list alone, never mind social media following. Oh, right. But I'm still yes. getting Scrivener today because. Get it today. Have yourself well set up for the moment when life tells you now's the time. Well, for those 2 a.m. times. Yeah. Just yeah. For those 2 a.m. times when I can't sleep. Oh, and okay. I was about to say, well, I can't say that because that would be inappropriate. But (laughs) I'm so okay. If there's little kids in the in the car listening with you, you might just want to turn down for 15 seconds. But okay, we have five kids, you know how you get to five kids. And it's after those activities that the ideas like, bang, they come out. So love I'm it. sorry, I just had to put that out there. Yeah, I but, love that. Yes. But my husband, he's like, well, am I just supposed to stop doing that now? And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's beating me creatively. <laughs> exactly. Beautiful. But, I love it. Okay, well, I guess I did that sort of discreetly in kids. When you did. I, I think it'll be that's perfectly fine. Oh, you, thank you. Oh, my gosh. And how do you work with clients? You know, we haven't even discussed that yet. And listeners, I want you to know that I really don't know the answer to this. So I'm, I'm yeah. genuinely yeah. curious. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I have been an editor for 20 years. At this point, I am. So this is the this is part of the thing is like sometimes we have to put a pause on things that we love and do other things. And so right now I'm paused on actually editing people's books. I am working on being the CEO of my company at this point. And that's been awesome. And I've gotten my ass handed to me. Pardon me. I see I did it again multiple times over the course of the past six years that I've had this company. But the company itself now is set up to provide very hand-tailored support for every author, wherever you are on the path, from the very beginning, trying to get your idea worked out, working on your outline, figuring out how you're going to start building your platform, even building your platform for you. We have a whole marketing team that does that as well to get it started while you're writing your book all the way through to editing your final draft, content editing, meaning helping you figure out, does it all hang together? What are the global issues? Getting into the line-by-line editing, and then even the technical editing if you're going to be self-publishing. We also have a service where we help people get set up to find an agent. We don't introduce you to agents, but we will give you a list of the agents we think would be best for you and how you can go about reaching out to them. So we, we work at every stage, at every level, we're very, it's much, very much a boutique company in terms of we listen to you, we find out what we think, what you're, where you are in your process. And then we set, say to you, this is what we would suggest you do next. Whether you do it with us or somebody else, we have uh, free calls for everybody. If you want to work with me directly, I, I offer one thing right now. Um, actually, I offer two things right now. The one thing is that I do a book consultation. So I'll, I'll read through whatever you have, your blog, your outline, a couple chapters, and a, a fairly in, intense content form that I'll send you that will exp- I need to hear from you, like what, what are your goals and dreams? What do you want to do with this book? What do you want to have it do for you, et cetera? And then we'll do an hour-long call where I will give you my suggestions on what your hook for your book should be, how you should structure it, or how it's working now, if you've already written it, what your next step should be, et cetera. So that's, that's one service I offer. And then I also do five day retreats and I have one coming up in October at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. And I have one in February at 1440 Multiversity out in um, Santa Cruz. And I'm just booking one for March at Kripalu in Western Massachusetts. So those are the two different places you can work with me directly, but my company itself is totally open and available at KN Literary Arts. You can find out a ton more there. Okay. I need to know more about five-day retreats. Yes, right? Yes. Would you mind just diving into that for a little bit? Because with five kids, that sounds like heaven. Heaven, right? Exactly. (laughs) So, yes. So, it is a place where there's a lot of structured writing time because that's one of the things that I feel I've found is the most important piece is that people need a time where they are felt they feel they're being held accountable for actually doing the writing. Mm -hmm. But I'm also there because a lot of, you know, people come into the room, (laughs) one of the students at my, the very first retreat I taught of this type, he said, wow, we're in a one room schoolhouse (laughs) because everyone's at a different level, right? Some people have a draft well underway. Other people don't even know what they're writing about. And so I try to provide you know, service and what's needed for every single person. But um, yes, they're at these wonderful retreat centers that know how to really hold space. The food is amazing. The accommodations can, you know, can be amazing if you, you know, want to go for the high level accommodations. It can also be, you know, relatively affordable if you want to go for a dorm style accommodation. But either way, the point of the week is to give you that time, that sacred away time to write, to really get started. The idea being that you will know what your next step is and how you're going to get there. And you'll feel confident in your writing skill by the time you leave, because we're going to set things up so that you are held and all your questions get answered and you also have time to write. 
I just need to tell you, it would still sound amazing to me if it was at a Motel 6 with Wi-Fi right. in my own bathroom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so true. I know. Yeah. For the moms among us, yes, I totally understand that. Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. Okay. One last question. Actually, two last questions. Should people be at all concerned about making the bestsellers list, in your opinion? I mean, in my opinion, not at all, honestly. The reason for that, there's a couple different reasons. Number one, depending on what genre you're in, the bestseller list may not actually reflect how many copies you sold, (laughs) believe it or not. And in the genre that I work in most, which is sort of self-help, personal growth, wellness, that sort of, it's the the New York Times list is the advice, how-to, and miscellaneous list. You actually have to sell so many copies to even get on that list that most authors never even have that many copies in the marketplace. So for example, my book was published in November, they printed 10,000 copies. You need to sell about 10,000 copies a week to hit the advice how-to and miscellaneous list on the New York Times list. So I knew from the beginning that it's not even a chance, and that's okay, right? So for me, I ask people, and when I'm working with people, I ask, what is their goal? What is their outcome for what do they think they're going to get by hitting the New York Times list? Mm -hmm. Generally, they either say, well, that would mean quote unquote, that I sold enough copies or that I, you know, that my word, the word is really out, that it's really impacting a lot of people, et cetera. But underneath it, the thing that they really want is some sort of applause and val- validation, which I can totally understand. I am number one in line when the applause gifts are being given out. I want as much applause as I can get. But I've, having been in the business, I know that this, it's such a thin margin of people that would even have enough books printed to make that list that I mostly tell people don't even think about it. Now, that's the New York Times list. That's the big list that are, you know, New York Times, let's say USA Today, Wall Street Journal, that kind of thing. People then start asking me about Amazon list. And on Amazon list, sure, it's nice that, you know, at some point I was number one in authorship reference (laughs) with my book, right? Great. I mean, that's fine. But that doesn't mean really very much at all. We don't even know what it means because no one, even the publishers, has access to the Amazon algorithms. And I have personally seen authors who've gotten 50 of their friends to buy the book at the same time, and they become number one in one of those subcategory of subcategory of subcategory. We call them like a micro category. Those micro categories really do not mean much at all. To anyone who knows how Amazon works, the only sales figure that mean that matters is your sales ranking, your overall sales ranking. That means where you stand in the rank of all books sold today. Okay. And if you are, if you manage to get under 10,000 on the, the overall sales ranking, you're doing quite well with your book. Your publisher is going to be happy with you. Ideally, you know, it stays there for months and maybe even years. That depends on how much you're promoting it, what your platform looks like, how many of them already bought the book, you know, things like that. And then there's these perennial bestsellers that are going to be in the Amazon Hot 100 for, you know, weeks or years on end. And, you know, I hope for everyone listening to this podcast that their book becomes one of those. But whether it will or not is really kind of, again, up to life. And all I say is do your best, do the best that you know how to do, and then be really proud of yourself for actually doing something that 85% of people say they want to do, which is write and publish a book, and only like a single digit fraction of those people ever get done. You can be proud of yourself just for writing and publishing the book. Yeah, I, you know, I don't really even care about the bestseller list. I just want to be able to tell myself I got it done. 
And then it will be awesome to hear that I helped people. So that's yes, exactly. Yeah, wonderful. Well, Kelly, you have been amazing. And I have to tell you, I'm itching to go get Scrivener like right now. Great. I love that. I would love if you would share one more time where listeners can go to find out more about you and your agency. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yes, you can go to KN, that's my initials, Kelly Notaris, knliterary.com. Um, you can also go to to the YouTube <laughs> and look me up under KN Literary there. And I have tons of videos that try to explain each of the steps in the process for you because I really do believe that if you are interested enough to take that next step and go looking for resources, that that says something about what life is wanting from you. And I want to support that. So um, anything I can do, please don't hesitate to be in touch. Sign up for a call on our website. We are always very happy to talk to you and we will tell you what your next best step is. And sometimes it's not even to work with us, honestly. So um, we're really honest about it and no hard sell ever is our policy. So you can feel free to call anytime. And of course, my book is the book you were born to write and it's available wherever books are sold. Oh my gosh. Thank you for the no hard sell. Listeners, if you are trying not to burn dinner, if you're driving, (laughs) if you're... Kelly, I burn every single meal I try to cook. Oh, or no. if you don't want to fall off the elliptical, you can go to thekimsutton.com forward slash PP578, I believe. Mm-hmm, that's Just look at the episode name for this, for this, and you'll know which PP it is, but I'm pretty which sure PP? it's 578. Mm-hmm. And oh, my kids make fun of me every time I say that. Say PP. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Uh, yes, it is PP578. So that can be Sutton PP578. And you'll be able to find all the links, including the link to Kelly's book. But Kelly, thank you so much again. This has been an absolute pleasure. I can't wait to have many more conversations with you. I look forward to it. Yes, it's been wonderful. Before we go, do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can share with listeners? Yeah, I mean, the thing that I would say is what I've said, you know, up until now, if there is that impulse inside of you to write a book, there's a really good reason for it. And I suggest you follow it. Just take the next baby step. You don't have to think about writing the whole book, what your publishing plan is going to be, all of these things. You can literally just purchase Scrivener. And I don't even get a kickback for that. Purchase Scrivener or watch a video or get your outline underway. Just take that one first step. That's showing you that you're going to, you're meeting life where, you know, halfway. And then I've always found that life will double up the next time and get you to the next level. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.